Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Bussman, and this is sort of a landmark podcast. I'm recording this opening in Germany after spending some time at a monument to the Berlin Wall. There's a huge chunk of wall that people use as a backdrop for photos. And a group of happy teenage tourists approached me and asked if I take a photo of them in front of the wall. Sure, I said. One of them gave me an iPhone and I snapped away. And then a teenage girl called out from the center of the group, saying, can you take one with my camera? Absolutely, I said. As she held her camera out, I saw it was old school. One of the point and shoot disposables that we used back in the 80s. You know, the kind that comes preloaded with film that needs to be developed. My fedora must have made me look much younger than I am because she gave me instructions as if she were certain I'd never seen one before. It was as if this 19-year-old had discovered vintage vinyl records and was showing me how to work a turntable. The way to do it, she said, is you look through this lens. And then, after you frame us, you push this little black button on top. And I thought, this is amazing. I'm here to speak at a tech conference, tech open air. Maybe she thinks I'm a techie. And that I've never seen one of these cameras before. The word must be out. I'm going new school. My guest this week is a man who went to the University of Missouri, just like me. But he's at the leading edge of the new school because he helps people cut through the noise on the internet. Tim Staples. For anyone in business who needs to know how to take their message viral, Tim is the guy to go to. He will get you through the wall of noise. There's a one in two million chance every day that a video will make the front page of YouTube. Tim and his company, Shareability, have done this 35 times. Tim has helped companies get 5 billion views. Tim's got a book coming out today called Break Through the Noise, The Nine Rules to Capture Global Attention. For an old school guy like me, his book is like a can of spinach to Popeye. Tim has created awesome content by disguising soccer great Cristiano Ronaldo as a homeless guy and having him play around with a soccer ball in a crowded plaza. Cristiano never could have gone into that plaza looking like himself without getting mobbed, which is why the video went viral so quickly. Just listening to Tim's ideas will make your thoughts sharper. This is a conversation that felt as comfortable to me as the moment I gave Tim a Big Question t-shirts from the first batch ever made by Sportique. Tim felt that t-shirt and said, whoa, that is soft. Right now, Sportique is not available in far off places around the world, but one day people are going to know Sportique across the globe for offering the softest t-shirts, hoodies, and sweats imaginable. It makes me happy to spread the word and even happier to offer you a 20% discount if you go to sportique.com, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com and use the offer code CAL. I've got a suitcase of Big Questions t-shirts that I'm going to give out at a storytelling workshop in Munich 
And that gives me an idea. If you've got an event that needs t-shirts, let me know. I'll get you to Jason and Matt. They'll create a custom batch for you. A run is 72 shirts. And wait until you see how people react when they feel how soft they are. Makes me feel good telling you that and taking you straight to Tim Staples. I am here with Tim. Hello, hello. I always have good luck with Tim's. <laughs> Tim Ferris is the reason I have this podcast. I, if I start thinking of all the Tims in my life, actually, the first mentor that I had at University of Missouri was a guy named Tim, Tim Sullivan. No kidding. Yeah. And if I start to list all the Tims, there's many of them. And I think my intuition says that you're about to mentor me in some great way. <laughs> I just want to be one of the Tims. <laughs> all right. So you got... Break Through the Noise, The Nine Rules to Capture Global Attention. This book is right in front of me. It's going to be coming out right when this podcast appears. Absolutely, July 9th. And why don't you explain what you do? Yeah. And in simplest terms, you know, we, we make people care is how I talk about it. This whole world, you know, it gets really noisy. And everybody's screaming at you from a million different angles at, at all times of the day. And like everybody's trying to hit you with their message and it becomes somewhat overwhelming. And so I've always been fascinated with the things that we're able to break through and actually have relevance and make a connection to people or to a consumer, whether you're a brand. And so what we do is we basically use the superpowers of the digital age, you know, things like content and technology and influence and we get people to care about brands. Was it hard to break through back when you were a kid? When you were a kid watching, I guess back then would be television. Yeah. Could you see those companies breaking through? Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. It was a completely different concept to break through. And, you know, I was born in the 70s. And back then on TV, everything was controlled by Hollywood, right? They controlled the pipe. Right, so if you wanted to become famous, you had to go through the Hollywood system, right? You had to go, you know, casting calls for television or movies with an incredible long shot that you might get on a show or a movie. And certainly if you did, you wouldn't start as one of the leads. Or you need, if you're a comic, you needed your big break on Johnny Carson or The Tonight Show, you know, Jay Leno. Um, there was really no way to kind of naturally and organically break through. Back then, everything was controlled. The pipes were controlled. There was three networks originally. There became 200 networks, right? There was a movie business. And the only way in was through their front door. Yeah. Well, if you were Barbara Walters, when she started to interview, uh, you were in a system where there was one woman allowed to have her face on like, the Today Show or whatever the yes. show that she started with. And basically, she would have to wait until that yes. woman was moved aside to get her spot. Yes. And then the next woman would have to wait. <laughs> it's really hard for people now to understand the way yes. it was. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and it's, 
it's pretty crazy how much has changed in a short amount of time, right? So, so back then, you know, yeah, if there's one female position, right? Literally, what are the odds that you could get that position? How many people are in the world? <laughs> one spot, right. literally one spot. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's like one in seven billion or whatever that number would be. And today, you fast forward, and what does it look like? How many famous people are in the world and how do they get famous in the last 10 years? Right? Like you got Instagram stars, you got YouTube stars, you got Snapchat stars, you got you got TikTok stars now. Like they're they're I, I don't even know what TikTok is. <laughs> what, what's TikTok? T TikTok is uh YouTube for 12-year-olds, basically. But it, it came out, it used to be called Musically, and it was these short clips, usually around music, that were little skits set to music, uh typically 15 seconds long. So my daughter is eight, about to turn nine, and her whole world is watching TikTok videos. Okay, I'm getting educated here. Yeah. I'm starting to go to the cutting edge. So there are 50 females that are, quote, famous just on TikTok in 2019. And right? they're 10 We're, years old, 11 years 10, old. Yeah, they, these girls may be 15, 17, 20 years old, some a little bit younger. But my point is, like, just from this one platform that you've never heard of, there are 50 famous women that are making an impact in some way and also making money off of those platforms. I mean, just literally everything's changed. So how was your path? Because the interesting thing about this conversation is we share a common alma mater, the we University do. of Missouri. Yep. Now you start in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right. And how do you get to the University of Missouri and what are you thinking yeah. when you leave to enter journalism school? Because yep. generally, if you're going to University of Missouri from somewhere far away, yeah. you're going to the journalism school. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Milwaukee and my, my dad was in the advertising business. He ran a shop in Milwaukee. So I saw that growing up. That was a big influence for me. And I thought, you know, this is coming out of high school in 1992, we're still kind of in the golden age of advertising. Like it was still this kind of prestigious thing to be a copywriter and out there making commercials for McDonald's or United Airlines. It still sounded really exciting to me. So I went to journalism school at Mizzou. I went through the advertising piece and I was going to Leo Burnett to be a copywriter. It was done. And I even had a professor, Jack Smith. He was the creative president of Leo Burnett globally out of Chicago. And he retired. He came to Mizzou. He, taught, he became a professor. And I was in his first class. Yeah, that's how it worked there. And yeah. so you, had, you were in the pipeline from that point on. 100%. And I, I was going to Leo Burnett. And he was telling me I could go to Leo Burnett. And it was done. And right before I was about to do it, he goes, you know what? You should also meet my son. <laughs> and I said, okay, and he's, what's your son doing? My son runs a little sports marketing company down in Dallas with this guy named Ray Clark, and they represent professional athletes, but they're just starting to get into the creative kind of advertising world. And anyway, I know you're going to Burnett, but you should meet this guy. He's a good guy, you'll like my son. Of course, that last minute little uh, twist led me to go down to Dallas and, and get into the sports business. And what was that like? Completely different. So the sports business is all much more transactional, right? It's more, it's more about the deals and like bringing people together and creating, you know, negotiating contracts and like finding mutual value in places. Um, we started to do some, some creative work, but it, really the learning of that period was the influence of celebrity 
and how they could move the needle. We knew about it like in the big, like, hey, there's a commercial with Scottie Pippen or some of the other artists that we, athletes we represent. But it's like behind closed doors, the amount of impact that if you're standing next to a celebrity, how that could change your whole world. That was like the big bomb that like dropped on my head is like, like if I'm just Tim Staples and I'm 25 years old and I'm talking to a brand, I'm just some young guy trying to get into the creative world. If I'm Tim Staples standing next to Scottie Pippen in that world, I'm, I'm now on his level. And now I'm talking to the CEO instead of the, you know, the lower level manager. Right. And it just kind of opened my eyes in terms of how people view celebrity and the doors that that could open kind of in my future career. Yeah. Imagine if it had been Michael Jordan. Amen. <laughs> Come on now. I'm a Pippin guy. Oh, no, I'm, a I, Pippin I, guy. I'm, a, I'm a Pippin guy, too. I met him. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. 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 No, Michael's. Um, one I was of, just one thinking of, in terms of that global notoriety. Amen. Amen. But, but as a 25 year old, to be able to round that whole Bulls kind of empire right at its peak, it was a sight to behold, man. It was pretty cool. And what were you doing? So we were we were matching up these celebrities or these these athletes with big brands. And then, you know, the genius of Ray Clark is he started as a transactional business where he was doing these deals with, you know, big telecom brands or Frito-Lay or whoever that might be. And then once he did the deal, most of the agents would go out the door, but Ray stayed and said, hey, now how are you going to activate this with Scottie Pippen or with David Robinson or the Dream Team or whatever it be? And he built a whole business around building the promotion around the athlete endorsements. So you're in advertising. Yeah. Did you think you were in advertising or did you think you were out of advertising? Yeah. I, I, in my mind, I left advertising and I was in sports. And I, and I just thought that there was a big opportunity to go honestly went from wanting to be a creative to wanting to be a deal maker, right? What is that like? Yeah. You know, my, my dad told me at a very young age, or, uh, you know, when, when I was in high school, I said, I want to be a creative, I want to be a creative. And he said, no, you want to be a salesman. And I, was, I, I thought he was so wrong, right? And, I, you know, coming up, you're like creativity, that's all about being these big ideas. And he said, creatives are in the back room. They're back there sketching on a you know a chalkboard. The sales guys are in the front room. They're making the deals happen. They're actually doing the business. They see all the opportunity and they kind of chart the future. And I thought he was completely wrong and it turned out that he was completely right. So where did that take you? Yeah, I, 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 I think for me, we went from like, from wanting to be a creative to wanting to be a, a businessman and a CEO and being in the front of the room instead of in the back of the room. That's where I am right now. And just starting, it's like day one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's something in your laughter that you're gonna have to translate for me because it spoke many different emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, first off, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about going from the back room to the front room? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Same laugh. <laughs> it's great. You know why? Because when I was young, I was about 23 years old and I was working for this amazing magazine as a creative. Yeah. It's called Inside Sports. Yeah. Uh, the guy, 
goes back to University of Missouri. Yeah. John A. Walsh, he was the editor of Rolling Stone back when Rolling Stone was Rolling Stone. I mean, and you know, here's the thing. What you described at the very beginning yeah. about this wall that was in front of people. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Yeah. And I have a millennial manager. You know him, Kevin, yeah, yeah, Kevin's the, the manager. Man. Kevin's the man. And it, it drives him crazy because yeah. it's like, I've heard about this wall and he can't understand it because he never saw it. Yeah. So for him, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Why you keep bringing this up? Yeah. The reason I keep bringing it up is because you had a different wall. Yeah. And these walls never seem to go away. There's yeah. always a new wall. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about my wall, yeah. I'm talking about everybody's wall. Yeah. And what happened was this magazine, Inside Sports, was a creative success. Yeah. John A. Walsh, he had a Rolodex. Yeah. I can remember walking into the office and was, I have this image in my mind. Imagine like a giant Ferris wheel <laughs> filled with cards because there's no computers back then. Yeah. There's no LinkedIn. Yeah. This was his LinkedIn. Yeah. And he basically had a gigantic Ferris wheel of three by five cards hmm. that just rolled around <laughs> and anybody he needed to get a hold of, yeah. they were on that Ferris wheel. <laughs> and that Ferris wheel led to a circus yeah. that starred Hunter S. Thompson and now he's coming into the office yeah. and we're going to the bar after him and drawing back shots with him. And it was an amazing place to be a creative. Yeah. And then one day it just went out of business. Yeah. And I didn't, I knew, oh man, I can't get a regular job after this because what I was doing every day was an event. <laughs> I was meeting all, it's funny, sports, yeah. same thing. Yeah. I was meeting all the athletes that I loved when I was a kid or people playing the same thing you just described with Scottie Pippen. Yeah. That's where I was. Yeah. And it was a wonderful, it was a festival and a circus simultaneously, and you could be creative while you're doing it. Amen. And then all of a sudden it goes out of business. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Are you gonna get a regular job <laughs> and say, okay, I'll just go in and do like something nine to five. Right, PR, <laughs> Well, no, even to go back to a newspaper right. after that. Right. It just, it didn't feel right. Yeah. So I basically called up my mom and dad and I said to my mom, you know, I think I'm just going to take off a little time traveling and just try and think through this and figure out where I'm going. And that trip ultimately lasted 10 years. Six weeks? Six turned weeks. In, turned into 10 years. And, and the funny thing about it is the timing Pretty amazing. Uh, we started out in Munich at Oktoberfest. That was the start. And I am going back to Munich uh, this week. When this podcast airs, I will just have gotten back from Munich. And 
I have the same, this, this is the wraparound answer to your question. <laughs> you were asking me, what does it feel like yeah. to be a CEO now yeah. and taking this on? I have the same feeling that I felt when I was like 23 yeah. and head off around the world for six weeks, yeah. not knowing where <laughs> this thing is going, but I'm going to Munich. Amazing. And it's gonna start all over again. Well, that's gotta be exciting. Yeah, it's beautiful because I have no idea yeah. where this is going. And the great thing about talking to you is you do. <laughs> you have a sense of everything digital. Yeah. And I now know, okay, I got to do this. You know what happened last week? I got a check on Twitter. I am now like <laughs> authorized on Twitter. You're part of the club, man. I'm part of the club, but I don't know anything about Instagram. Yeah. I just like I got a LinkedIn. I I'm lucky to get my messages up. Yeah. And I feel like today yeah. is the start of this adventure. I am I got your book under my fingers. <laughs> And now I couldn't get it on Amazon yet because it, it's not out yet. Yeah. So I don't know if you got an extra copy. I do. But if you do, I'll ask you to sign it to me. Yeah. I'm going to take it with me to Germany. Amazing. I will have read it by the time I land. Yeah. And I got a brand new camera. I am now on the cutting edge. <laughs> it's called the Insta360 1X. There we go. And it shoots in 360 degrees and it's smaller than an iPhone. Amazing. And I'm going to try to translate everything that I read in this book <laughs> into those videos. And you know what? You can look at them and laugh. Because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing outside of what I read in your book. Well, we should talk about the, uh, the shareability of Cal Fussman. We, we, should, we should dive into it. How do you do it? What's the first lesson of breaking through the noise? Well, here's the first thing I'll tell you is that uh, storytellers who, you know, back in those carnival days, right? Like through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, storytellers were kings in a lot of ways, right? They told the big stories of the world. And I feel like the last five, 10 years in some ways, a lot of people have been talking about technology and these platforms and you know these funnels funnels in a funnel. and, yeah, reverse a funnel. funnels yeah we're we talking reverse funnels upside the, down oh you don't want to know about the reverse funnels oh man you're, you're you're a better man for not knowing but but what I, what is so apparent to us in our world is yeah data matters yeah technology matters yes these platforms matters but they're table stakes right they're part of the equation to help you navigate this new world but what moves the needle is story. It's emotional connection. And emotional connection is gonna be the biggest superpower of the next 20 years. So the good news for you is you may not know everything about the data or the technology or the funnels or the reverse funnels and the, and the platforms. You can learn that and, and, and I can help you. But you understand story. And so you already jumped to the front of the class amongst all these people that are trying to do this thing that may know more about those things, but they're less important in the big picture. So you're gonna be just fine. 
Cal, you're going to be just fine. And I would encourage you to go in deep and you're going to have to learn in rapid succession and you're going to have to change it a million times and throw it in the trash a million times. This is no different from being back in journalism school in a way. Amen. It, and that's what's so exciting about it to me. Yeah. Uh, because when I think back to those days at Mizzou, yeah. uh, like the first time you probably remember the student paper, The Maneater. Of course. Like those first stories. Yeah. When I would walk in to hand it over to another Tim, Tim Sullivan, yeah. like the fear yes. of how's it, is he going to like it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I was a terrible speller. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, it would actually got to a point, there was no spell check. There's yeah. no computers. I'm yeah. writing on like an Underwood portable yeah. typewriter. Yeah. And I started to be mocked around the newspaper for, for like spelling these words like terribly wrong. <laughs> and be, I, because I, like now I'm thinking of it and I'm understanding that it, it actually was a benefit because I was listening to language and I would hear the, the phrase for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. But to me, it sounded like for all intensive purposes. <laughs> And so that's how I would write it. And it would go in and then there was starting to be when Tim would edit the story, yeah. like four or five people would gather around him yeah. waiting to see the language that I had butchered, <laughs> how I had spelled words wrong. Yeah. And now a spell check, you, know, that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but every mistake you make now is going to be critiqued by millions of people on the internet instead of four people in an office. Well, that, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to replicate the same Amen. juice about putting it out. And what happened is I got a little blue spelling book. Yeah. It just had words yeah. spelled right. And I literally would go through every word in the story and check that my spelling was right yeah and by the end of the year i never spelled the word wrong mm. you know like back then phoenix mm. who would spell it p-h-o-e <laughs> in, in my head I, I was thinking musically yeah and i knew there was an o in there but like p-h-e-o yeah and so i'm sure i'm going to go through the same thing yeah with the videos, but times a hundred on steroids, moving a hundred times faster, and you'll love every minute of it, man. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> no, but, the, but the beauty, one of the beauties of this digital age, is this mindset of test and learn. So you're absolutely going back to school, but you get real time feedback on everything you do, right? And you can either take that and go, oh, people don't like this, or you can say, oh, wow. This thing resonated, this thing didn't, they hated this, they kind of liked this, what if I did this? They loved this, give them more of this, right? And, and that doesn't happen five days later, five, you turn in the story at the man eater, something runs a week later, you might get feedback a week after that. This happens in the first five minutes. Wow, you know, it's interesting you say that because I'm really going backward in my mind and I can remember being in at the Memorial Union. Mm. They still have the Memorial Union yeah, there? I believe so. Okay. The newspapers would come out, the man-eaters would come out, and they were free, and I'd watch people pick them up. Yeah. And I would study. Okay, they're turning to the sports section, and then, oh, okay, they're yeah. reading my story, and I would be watching. 
to make sure like they got through to the yeah, end of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm basically back in the same place. It's all the same. Only I'm going to get data. You're going to get data and it's like drinking out of a fire hose. It just comes at you a lot faster than sitting in the quad. But, um, but yeah, I, th I think it would be interesting actually to walk through some of these principles that we have and see how we could apply them to you and see about how we could, we could package this up. We'll call it a uh, Cal 2.0. <laughs> Okay, I don't know that I was ever at one point now. But <laughs> Maybe one and a half. <laughs> we're, uh, we're leaping over walls here. Okay, so I get it. I know how to tell a story. So, so I'm not nervous about that. Yeah. And what do I need to know? What's, what's my first step? Yeah. When I'm shooting a video, it could be of myself. Now I got this camera yeah. that it actually can shoot yeah. in front of me, yeah. behind me, and the sides yeah. at the same time. I am on the cutting edge here. <laughs> and so I can actually, by just filming that way, yeah. uh, be creating content for four different platforms that yeah. might tell the same story yeah. in a completely different way. I'm, I'm creating like the great kurosawa movie rashomon where you're seeing a movie through like different characters yeah, eyes yeah. i don't know how this is going to go yeah but what should i be paying attention to when i look you, at the you want, story you want, what am you, i you want the truth yes that camera doesn't matter at all oh man i just spent 500 bucks <laughs> keep the receipt <laughs> oh man it's already out of the box no listen that technology is great but if you don't have the core story right and i know you know story right right but like if there's not a function and a reason to have a 360 version of that story yeah then it doesn't matter okay i th i was doing it just because in my mind it was telling me you're over the wall you're yeah. you're out in front now yeah I have no idea what I'm doing, yeah. but it's like the race has started and I am halfway down the track. I may stumble, yeah, but that's what what that camera feels like to me. Yeah, well, if, if it feels good, then it then it then it accomplishes the purpose in terms of your content on Instagram. It's Do not going to mean a thing. Doesn't mean a damn thing. <laughs> okay. Down the road it will. Okay. Down the road it will, but like it's like start with the fundamentals. Right. Yeah, okay. And then we'll move to the fancy stuff. Got it. Which you may never need, by the way. Most some of the most impactful stuff online right now is the simplest. Right? It's about story and emotional connection. And like that stuff can be a big distraction to people. Can be great if used correctly. I'm not, you know, it, oh, there, there's a place. I gotta for go it. back to my iPhone here. <laughs> Start with the iPhone. So what we always talk about, you know, is how do you be shareable? Right, like I said, there's millions of voices trying to yell on the internet right now, and everybody thinks they're special. And the, the reality is that in this kind of jaded world, nobody cares. Like literally on a day-to-day -day basis, you care about what is it valuable in your life, right? You don't care what some kid in, in Nebraska is doing on Instagram right now. You don't even care what you know somebody of influence is doing in Hollywood right now. If it's not relevant to your life, you're not gonna pay attention to it. You only have so much attention span in your day, right? And so how is something new gonna get into that attention span, which is your most valued commodity right now, right? Is your time, right? Your time and attention are your most valuable commodities. And so that being the case, if people are getting avalanched with all this content that's coming to them, the only thing they're gonna pay attention to are the things that are special, the things that are unique, 
that provide value to them, right? And so everybody gets caught up in this, like, I wanna have this, or I wanna do this, or I'm gonna have this great camera. Everybody's got the camera. Everybody wants to have the message. What is your story? What is your emotional connection that's gonna actually get people to lean forward and take notice of you? And then once they've taken notice, how do you give them the goods, so to speak, so that they become a long-term fan and ambassador of your work and be part of your community? And so this whole book, honestly, is like, how, what are those steps to go do that? And how can we make this real and tangible? So it's just not some far-fetched, today I'm trying to go figure out how to get on Instagram and tomorrow I wanna be this Instagram star that has 20 million followers. Yeah, you know what? I don't even wanna be, I don't wanna be that Instagram star. That, yeah. that would come with a lot of problems, I yeah. think. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I just want to be able to reach out to as many people yeah. and help them tell better stories. Yes. Well, and that's your brand, right? So let's talk, let's talk about your brand. How, how, how would you define your brand? Well, I am going into companies yeah. and showing them how to find their stories yeah. and craft their stories. Yeah. And I'm not the techno guy who yeah. knows how to get them out, yeah. but I know I can show them how to craft these stories yeah. So that people will want to pay attention. Yes. Now, my feeling is, if those, that works, then the company is going to grow. Yeah. And new people will get hired. Yeah. And families will get started. Yes. And kids will go to college. Yes. And I will have had an impact. Yes. That's far greater than what I've done over the last few decades. Yeah. And which is what you do. Yeah. 100%. And I agree with everything you said, like the power of story to go drive growth and opportunity, I think is absolutely the future. And I think now merging that, like I said, with this digital world and knowing all those knobs and levers to go push that out in the most maximum way. But for now, let's talk about the story. So, so you're a storyteller that's going to drive growth for people via your stories. Correct. Right? Personal growth, brand growth, whatever that might be. Absolutely. Right? Um, so we talk about a lot uh, about emotional connection, right? And what are the emotions, we call them shareable emotions, that make people lean in and connect with you, whether you're a brand or a personality or whatever that might be, right? And so we actually talk about five shareable emotions. What are they? So the five shareable emotions as we see them, there, there are obviously dozens of emotions that come into play when you're talking about content, but the first one is happiness or joy. The second one is awe, something that you're in awe of. The third one is empathy. Um, and then there's a counterpoint to that, which is pride. And I'll walk through these in more detail. Um, we talk about surprise being a huge emotion. I showed you some of the content. Yeah, you just showed me a great video with John Senna. Uh, and surprise was in almost every 15 seconds. Yes. I could expect another surprise and the beauty of it was is that even when i was expecting the surprise you delivered it yeah. in a way that made me smile yes exactly thank you uh and then the last one is curiosity and what curiosity is a lot about how do i learn more about the world and that's presented to me in an interesting way where i want to dive in the princier stuff that i showed you fall underneath that bucket so so let's talk about those so happiness is all about 
you know, how do I provide a little moment of joy for someone? You know, the internet's such a negative place. How do I provide joy and connect with people over kind of shared experience that makes them happy, right? Very admirable thing to think about. And I think there's not enough of it on the internet right now. So we feel that as like some of our most successful content. And I would, I would say the John Cena thing that you saw, he's busting through walls, there's a surprise element, but he's also at the end of the day, he's making people happy. The whole campaign's called Something to Smile About, right? Yeah. Um, so the second one is awe. And so 10 years ago on YouTube, awe was all about these big, crazy stunts. There's these young guys like Devin Supertramp that we used to work with that would do these crazy videos where they're on a rock swing going over a canyon and all these young kids having fun and doing this crazy stuff and really connected. There was Red Bull and Felix Baumgartner and coming down from the atmosphere and like, you know, the jump and like, right. it's as shareable as it gets, right? Like all the awe. And as that continued to evolve, there was so much awe that even the spectacular wasn't spectacular anymore. And so a lot of the awe we see now is more personal emotion where people are being good Samaritans or they're doing great deeds for somebody in need. Oh, that's like the video that, you like, just showed like me about restoring people's photos after Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane came in. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. So there's these great, like these people are awesome moments, right? And that is kind of the new awe. It's, it's hard to like, once Felix Baumgartner has jumped out of the stratosphere, how are you going to top that, right? And so we take it to a much more grounded level about how do we drive human emotion and help people and do good things for the planet. So well, let's jump to curiosity, because I think this is a good one for you. Um, I showed you the Prince EA video, right? We did, a vid we did a video around public education, right? Nobody wants to talk about public education, right? There's all these problems with the systems, they're very systemic, but you can't get anybody to lean forward and actually engage in the process. So Prince EA is an unbelievable spoken word artist. He understands how to break through and build messages for the, the internet age. And he's had a, so much success on Facebook and Instagram. So he does a six minute video that we produced with him that's all about the pitfalls of the current education system and how we can fix it but it's told through spoken word and it's actually shot in a courtroom where we play out the whole scene in front of your eyes, right? So instead of this boring topic about education, it's this you know, lively debate happening in real time about how the school system is screwed and we need to build another one. And it leads to this place of hope where you feel better informed and you think that there's a solution and you can actually get involved in making it happen, right? So, and then empathy, you know, that's a big part of the world today. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world. And I think when we can show that we put ourselves in somebody else's shoes right. and and have empathy for them, I think that's really powerful. Well, that's the principle of storytelling. I Amen. mean, if you cannot have a story without vulnerability. Amen. And once you have the vulnerability, then everybody could step in those shoes yes. and, and feel empathy. Yes. Without that, there is no story. There is no story. Amen. And, and, and some of those stories, like I don't know if you've ever seen the Heineken campaign where they took pairs of people that were just polar opposites in terms of some type of political belief or belief about gay rights. And, uh, and, and they would have never in a million years come together in any way, but they had them go build a bar together. Right. And then when they were done building the bar, they spent all day together. They talked, they connected as humans. And then at the end, they showed videos of the each one, you know, expressing their beliefs that were a direct contradiction to the other one. And then they said to him, hey, you guys can part ways or you can have a beer together and you can talk about your differences. And every single one of the pairs had sat down and had a beer, had a Heineken. 
and 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 had that experience. But at the beginning of the day, if they hadn't gone through that bonding episode, probably moment, wouldn't have met, wouldn't have decided to meet him. Yeah, at they all. would have split. They would have been in different directions in a second. And so, you know, understanding how these different emotions connect. So let's let's talk about you. Obviously, curiosity and 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 like you've taken stories of some of the most influential people in the world, and you've told them in a new way, right? You've always understood how to break through the noise, right? This is what I've told you as we've kind of connected on this is I think some of the hardest stories to tell are the simplest stories, right? Like if you take someone's life, like, you know, Queen, and you tell this story and they have this unbelievable, you know, movie that's three hours long and it wins an Oscar or whatever, that, you know, that's a skill set. But how do you tell someone's life on one page, you know, in 15 sentences or whatever that might be, right? Like there's a simplicity and there's a beauty to that that I think you've always understood. It's like, uh, it's like, how do you take the essence of someone and pass that along in a way that people will not only understand, but they'll be inspired by. And that's exactly what I want to pass on. Yes. Because you can find a story that can be told in a minute or two. Yes. And it stands for the greater story. Yes. You don't need the hour and a half or two hours. It's great to have yeah. a two-hour movie. Yeah. But it's really possible to get your message across. And I, if you want to break through the noise, yeah. my feeling is it's going to be a lot easier to do it in a minute yeah. or two yeah. than it is two hours. Amen. A amen. In this age, you know, the attention spans, if you get a minute, you're a lucky lucky man, right? It's 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 like eight seconds you have with to get somebody to continue to listen. It's more like three. Three seconds. <laughs> As people are, we always talk about people blowing through Facebook and Instagram like a, like a serial dater on Tinder, right? They're swiping, they're swiping. If, if it doesn't grab in the first three to four seconds, we talk about seven seconds, if you, get, you get a little bump. But, and that's why so many of these stories need to be told in a way that grab people up front. If you think about traditional Hollywood, what do they do in the front of a movie? The big buildup, there's credits, you do the director is, the producer is. By the time you get into the film, it's been like seven minutes, right? And the only reason you can do that is people are seated in a movie theater and they'll sit through that because they know what's coming. If you're on Facebook on a Tuesday afternoon, forget you're, it. You're not going to see the credits, no man. Chance. So you have to grab, you know, we actually have this. I'm, I'm yeah. interested in this. Yeah. Do you think 10 years from now, you'll still, they'll still be able to do that in a movie theater? I, I think I think it all has to change. I, I don't actually, I don't. I think that you have to. The experience of the medium is going to always be different, right? So when you when you're going to a theater with your friends, you're going to be much more willing to you know spend time and enjoy the process. But that said, I think it, it's going to meet in the middle where attention spans are short, man, and and like people don't want to sit and watch seven trailers and then watch. you know i was just gonna bring that up i hate trailers yeah yeah it's a very outdated system i mean they have your attention they want to sell you on the next thing right but it, all they're doing is the same explosions over and over and over that's and right. are they saying well you like the last explosions yeah so you'll like yep. these that's explosions. Right. that's the way hollywood's been for the last 50 years so we have, we have a concept for uh, when we launch our videos that drives like new partners crazy and uh i call it giving up the goat okay so you saw the john cena video yes right so he's breaking through the wall and he's surprising people and they're having the time of their life and they're going crazy and these the reactions are just reactions equal internet gold if you can get honest 
you know, meaningful reactions from either sadness, happiness, joy, that's internet gold. If somebody wanted to see that same video that you showed me, how would they see it? Yeah, so, so most of our videos, the beauty is um, when we talk about them, a lot of people have already seen them. That particular video, because uh, Cricket's uh, rights with John Cena have passed, is off the internet. So you just, you have to type in John Cena breaks through wall and you'll find a ripped version of it. So the beauty of the internet is there's a hundred copies of everything. So the official version is no longer up, but you have, if you search for it, you can find it and it's everywhere. But giving up the goat is all about this concept that if you don't hook people in the first four seconds, they're gone forever. So a traditional storyteller, a Hollywood storyteller would tell you, John Cena coming through the wall happens in act three. Right? right? We're going to set right. the story. Right. There's going to be this okay. build and this drama. And then boom, it's in act three. Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, the first thing that happened is he breaks, he the breaks through the wall. That's right. Right? So if you're swiping, you see John Cena break through a wall. You like John Cena. You see somebody going crazy. You're and like, there's a little kid on the other side. Exactly. That's just startled. And he loves John Cena. He's going and crazy. He's going crazy. What that does is make you want to know, okay, how did that happen? Exactly right. It, it strikes that curiosity. You've given away the goat, so to speak, but now you start the video just like you're going to do it the other way, right? So you show them, you show them coming through the wall, uh, and then I, now you I, go, I, hey, I we're going to create this video. We got John Cena super fans. They're all going to be coming. Here's what's going to happen. You show John. There's a big buildup, and now it's two minutes before he breaks through the wall again, and then he starts breaking through the wall like crazy through the rest of the video, right? but it's just a complete flip and it drives people crazy. And every time that he comes to the wall, yeah. you're curious to see the reaction That's of right. the super fan on the other side of the wall. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so even though it's not a surprise, it's always a surprise. Exactly right, because every reaction is gonna be different and, and, and in a different way, right? And that's because you're able to put yourself in their shoes. Exactly right. Yeah, so there's a hint of empathy. So I'm trying to think, so in terms of your brand, to me, the shareable emotions as we define them, there's definitely awe, right? You're interviewing some of the most important and influential people in the world, right? And they have a lot of wisdom that they can pass into the world and you're the conduit for that. So there's awe. And, and this curiosity element of how do I teach people something that they wanna learn, but put it in a package that they wanna digest, Right? Like, how, how do I put the sugar on top of the vegetables in some ways, right? Like, because these are life lessons and, and you're, you're serving it up in a way that they enjoy reading, right? So, so you already have a format that's custom made for the end. So if you take awe and put it together with curiosity, add a little bit of empathy and a little bit of surprise, you've got the recipe for massive digital success, right? You already have it. Um, now it's just about finding the formats that will speak the same way that uh, what I learned, what page on the back of a magazine worked in that era. What's the internet version of that? The internet version is probably taking similar type of quotes and, and pieces, putting it to visuals, pictures, videos, short form video that cuts around and also graphics and copy that, that you can learn about George Clooney in 15 or 30 seconds, but an interactive experience curated by Cal. Okay, it, it's, it's interesting because actually where I'm turning this now yeah. is it's not on George Clooney. Fair enough. It's on people who 
do great things yeah. in their life. I, I always use the example, a nurse working in a NICU unit in a hospital yeah. with prematurely born babies. Yeah. And this one nurse was, I heard her say that every day she holds a prematurely born baby in the palm of her hand. Yeah. And she said it in a way like it was the most normal thing to do. Yeah. Babies being born at 23 weeks. Yeah. Like up until this time, that it's just not possible. Yeah. And I said to her, how many people do you tell do you tell this story to? Yeah. And she said, Hard, hardly ever tell the story. Yeah. And my point is, yeah. it's important for that story to get out. Yeah. It's important to know how that hospital actually has the best NICU unit in the state of California, and nobody knows. Yeah. And so you have these amazing stories. Yeah that aren't getting out there. Yeah. Often because people f- feel, well, I don't want to tell my story because I'm not better than the person who's working next to me. They're good team players. Yeah. And so they don't want to stand out. Yeah. Or maybe they just think, well, this is what I do. I'm I wasn't hired to be a storyteller. Yeah. I was hired to take care of those babies. Yeah. Uh, but my point is, every time you hear about healthcare, right, it's so often yeah. in a negative light. Yeah, and these great things are happening, and we don't get those stories. Yeah, and so I want to bring forth all those things you were talking about. Yeah, but not through George Clooney. Yeah, but through people who are going to work and actually doing amazing things. Right. We don't hear about it. Right. People like that start companies. If they don't get their story out, how is that company going to grow? Right. So I really want to work with a lot of companies that are starting up, uh, other companies that maybe went through something like I went through. Yeah. Where here I am in the print industry. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this thing that you've invested your life in, worked every day to become a master at, yeah. all of a sudden, paper magazines don't sell anymore. I was just at a magazine dealership this morning, and the guy running it told me that years ago, he had seven of these magazine stands. Yeah. He was down to one. And at this one, he said, look over there. And there was a U.S. Postal Service Mm. booth that he brought in to bring in business because he just wasn't able to make a living just from the sales of the magazine. And so companies in that situation, but that can think forward, they need to have their new story told. Because otherwise... Where are they going? Amen. Amen. No, and listen, I mean, that's you know, with the, the education piece that we talked about. It's like, how do you take these topics that on their face are not things that people are talking about or haven't broken through, right? And are off these sides because everybody's concerned about their day-to-day life. 
And how do you serve them up in a way where you can get people to care? Right? Yeah, and maybe you're teaching me something here because I'm starting to think I just said, no, this isn't about George Clooney. Yeah. But maybe in some ways it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, listen, we live in an influence culture, right? And so influence gets people to lean forward. And, and by the way, maybe there's a really interesting way to get some people of influence involved in telling some of these stories. You really just opened the door to something that I hadn't even considered. You're, you're absolutely right. Because you're, you're the perfect bridge between those two worlds. That I am. And most of these celebrities want to get involved in, in telling important stories, right? Like George being a prime example of a guy that's trying to do good things for the world, right? right? So there's, there's interest there. And it doesn't have to be about the celebrities. And it doesn't have to involve the celebrities every time. But I do think... A big part of your personal brand is around people of influence. And I think if there's a way to connect people of influence into telling stories about people that don't have influence but have really important stories to tell, that that's a really interesting connection point. You're going to hear a long pause. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're taking me to new places. So anybody that was in the situation of needing to get their story out. Yes. What else yeah. are you bringing to them in yeah. this book, Break Through the Noise, The Nine Rules, to capture global attention? Not attention, global it's gotta attention. Gotta be global, Cal, gotta be global. Uh, so I think as we talk about the book, one of the most important concepts is a very simple one, but most people miss it, which is called focus on value, right? So in this world where everybody's trying to grab everyone's attention, the natural human reaction is to focus on yourself. What's different about me? What can I do that's crazy or unique? How can I do something that it goes viral? And instead of focusing on the audience, who is all getting bombarded with a million different messages, uh, that gets lost. And so this simple, simple piece of uh, advice is think about the audience you want to reach Put yourself in their shoes of what they would want to view and why they would stop their day in the middle of their day and watch your three-minute video. And whatever that is, give them that. And it doesn't matter if that's branded or if it's all about Cal Fussman. It doesn't matter if that's something. I have to think for like them. You have to think what they want. And that has to be the start of any of these strategies is you have to focus on value. And you have to think about where the actual void exists where people would want to watch this type of content. And you have to spend time there really, really diving into that because otherwise you're going to create something that's really valuable to you. But not to anybody and, else. And nobody else may care, right? Or it may, they may care, but it's the 33rd thing that they care about and you don't make it into that span of what they actually watch. And, and so the first rule is always about focus on value. And so then when you, when you know what that value is, now you can start to apply the emotions. You take that value proposition, and now you try to apply these emotions that we talked about, about how can I do that in a way that, that draws awe? How can I make them happy as part of this process? How do I bring curiosity into it and actually teach them something that's valuable? How do I do it in a way that surprises them, that you know, flips the script on them in terms of what they're expecting? And so those are the first steps. Those are kind of the foundational elements. The next big step is what we call find your voice, right? And so this is, okay, I know what type of content I wanna do. I know what kind of emotions I wanna bring out. 
what is unique about me? Now it's time. Now that I've thought about the audience, I've thought about what they're getting out of this equation. Now I need to think about me. And I need to think about what's unique about me and my voice, what perspective I can bring to the world that no one else can, that I can bring into this pipeline, right? With you, that's, it's pretty obvious, right? Well, you know, the interesting thing to me listening is that I never consider the things that you're bringing up. Yeah. They're like so natural to me. I'm yes. like the nurse yeah. with the baby in my palm every day. Yes. I don't think of the rules. I'm just looking at the baby, knowing what to do. The, the, the people that have adjusted to the new world the best, in my opinion, are journalists. Really? Because yes. to me, they are having the most problems. Yeah. Well, the people that are within the constructs of how they think about journalism struggle to come over because the same tactical rules don't apply. They start taking that same how I wrote a article for New York Times or how I did an article for Esquire and they oh, try to apply directly. Give me the directly. pyramid. <laughs> give me the inverted pyramid. It doesn't work. But but what I'm saying is the instincts on how to tell a story, right? And then the second thing, which is chapter five in my book, it's called Crush the Headline. And the whole point is you have to think like a journalist and you have to frame up whatever your idea, concept you're trying to break through with and you have to pitch it as a one sentence headline that I immediately get and I immediately connect to, right? So this is a concept you're gonna, I mean, that, that's your world. You understand how to take something that an influential figure has lived a life learning and put it into one sentence, right? Or take a topic and boil it down to its essence and present it in a very direct way, right? Right. And so like- And that is that, what I do. That's what you do. right? And so like those skill sets of what is a story, how do you create value for the reader? Because that's ultimately what journalism is in a lot of ways, right? Um, how do you find a unique voice to do that? And then how do you crush the headline so that when they're swiping through Facebook or Instagram, they immediately connect with what you're trying to convey to them and they give you that four to seven seconds so that they can lean in and you can hook them with the content. So It's, it's interesting, I, I did this video where I just sat at a beer hall yeah. at a long table. Yeah. It was a German beer hall because I'm going to Germany. I wanted people to know that I have this workshop in Munich, July 5th and 6th. It'll already be over by the time people hear that. But I got a gigantic boot, glass boot yep. filled with beer. Yep. I mean, it was like two feet tall and filled with beer. It looks magnificent. Yeah. And I just had it to my, in my hand, and then I started talking yeah. about going to Germany. Yeah. And I think what I intuited was that gigantic boot of beer yeah. was going to give me the three seconds. Yep. Amen. Yeah, big part of the first three seconds is visual and copy, how you bring those together. Like, I don't know how you thought about what your headline would be for that video. Well, that's what's walking. Didn't, even, didn't yeah. even put a headline yeah. on it. Yeah. Just, it's yeah. just me with the, yeah. with the big boot of beer yeah. saying I'm coming to Germany. Yeah. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah. If you want to come to a workshop yeah. and improve the way your company tells its story, we're here for you. But, but that you intuitively get it, right? Like w with the visual, I understand exactly. You're, you're, you're having a... A beer with the audience. Correct. 
It's a German boot, so they understand there's a connection to Oktoberfest. Right. And you quickly are telling them what, what the value of your message is, which is, hey, I'm going to Germany to lead this story workshop, right? That's a valuable piece of content. Got the value in there. Right? Okay. And so, but, but like content like that, we call, you know, it's very functional content, right? And a lot of people think that just because you turn on a camera and you have the right cameras and the right lighting and you say something that's somewhat interesting that anyone's going to care. And I think the default position is you always have to assume that nobody's going to care, right? Just because of all these options and bombardment that we're faced but with. But I, I knew yeah. that people would look into the boot. Yes. So, I, and if, if the only thing I was doing yes. was forcing myself to have the camera on me yes. and talk yeah. and knowing that this boot was gonna get people to lean in. That's the only thing that really was in my head. You know what we call that? What's that? Curb appeal. Curb appeal, okay, explain that. So when you think about a house, if you're selling a house and you're a realtor, the first impression to the house, the curb appeal, is gonna determine 80% of their initial uh, impression of the house and whether they're interested in going inside and checking out the rest. What you're seeing before you even walk up. Before you even walk in. The sidewalk. Or you might be driving by and see the sign. If the curb appeal is strong, people will walk in and go see the rest of the house. If the curb appeal is weak, they're gonna just keep driving by. All right, curb, I'm getting educated here. <laughs> Way to go, Way to go. Okay. So curb appeal is very important and yes. just in anything you do, you want yeah. the curb appeal. Yeah. Even so, in the John Cena, yes. you had the curb appeal there with the, with the shock value. Yes. That, that house looks interesting and whoa, John Cena lives there. That's right. A hundred percent. And I think part of curb appeal is immediately communicating your message in the simplest possible way. And that's why we talk about crushing the headlines. You need to understand exactly what's happening. And there's an art to that. And we do a lot of testing around copy and copy with image and versus, you know, this, this particular image with this particular copy. And you can run all these. The beauty of social media is you can test everything. You can test a hundred oh, versions so you, of everything. Your version of testing. Yes was what I used to call rewriting, only nobody saw it, Yes. but an editor. Yes. And so I didn't have to be humiliated yes. in front of the public. That's the beauty is. The, the, the beauty of, of these technologies, Cal, is that you can do, your, your audience is your editor. Oh my goodness. So, so, you so can, they're seeing all your mistakes. Well, well you, you put it out, they're called, they're called uh, dark posts. So it basically goes, it served out as an ad to part of your audience, right? And so a thousand people at a time, 2000 people at a time. And you know, they're not mistakes. It's just a matter of, hey, we, we ran this version first with this headline and it, you know, it all seemed good to them. But the difference between the right headline with the right visual versus the wrong headline with the wrong visual on the same video could be 10X, right? But the people that see it, they go, okay, it's John Cena, whatever. But the engagement rates, the view through rates can be exponentially different. So you're just looking at how this is shared yes. after you put it out there. You're not asking anybody, what'd you think? It, it, it's you're a, not getting any feedback. It's a raw number. The, that, the, the focus group happens in, in, in clicks and likes. So literally whoa. we goes back and we say, okay, this version had a 2% engagement rate. This version had a 1.1% engagement rate. This version had a 0.6% engagement rate. All right, let's try putting this headline with this visual to start. Let's start the video a little bit differently. Let's give away the goat in a different way. Completely changes how people value the curb appeal, 
which changes how many people will actually view into that content. So this basically is turning an editor's comments. I'm just yeah. translating yes. journalism to yes. this new world. Yes. This is taking the editor's comments and suggestions yeah. and turning them from letters to numbers. That's right. You're basically crowdsourcing your editors and doing it in a very a data-driven manner. It's all about the numbers that come back and it's, there's no emotion attached to it. It's just like, what do the numbers look like? Who, what are people connecting to on your emotional piece of content? What does that do to you when you're getting the news? Because I can remember, especially early on, yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny that this keeps taking me back to Mizzou, yeah. but you'd be crushed yeah. by an editor's criticisms yeah. or, or, or you could yeah. be crushed. Yeah. Whereas if you're just getting numbers. Yeah, it's not, it is numbers, not, but it's numbers of how people uh, perceive the content. So the, the, the issue I would have is if, you know, if I had an editor or a boss where I brought him a story and, and he said, I don't like the way the story begins. And he gave me a bunch of big red notes and I had to go change it. If I disagreed with him, that would build resentment with me. I would say, I think I'm right, he's wrong. If we put this out to real people and they watch the video, and they don't know they're in a focus group, right? Their clicks don't lie. They either engaged with it or they didn't. So you can, you can get upset if you want, or you can just handle the truth and evolve and make the content better. And that, that, that's the mentality that we've always built is just like, you're always learning. Every time you think you're right, something's gonna change and it's gonna be completely different. So just understand that even though you know more than most, you're, you never know everything and you just have to take everything in a fluid nature and change it as, as the internet wants because that's ultimately how you're gonna give them value and you're gonna get the best results. You know, you mentioned Scottie Pippen before, yeah. and I have this memory from when I sat and talked with him and he was describing the sessions where Phil Jackson would show video to the team so everybody would have to see exactly yeah. what they look like. Yeah. And he said, videotape don't lie. <laughs> And it's the same yeah. thing you're telling yeah, me. Amen. The numbers don't lie unless yeah. Yeah. I'm putting the content in front of the wrong people. And I've seen this happen. Truth. Well, that's why you have to have broad enough testing measures where you're putting it in front of all different kinds of subsets. And it, it can't just be a one-off in one direction or another. It's a really detailed process. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to touch that. You got to trust that process. It might not always be perfect, but we found it makes you exponentially better through this process. And, and like I said, it can, it can be a mad, you, there are, the worst thing, the heartache for me is actually not changing the first seven seconds. The heartache is having a beautiful, emotionally connected video that people didn't get through the first seven seconds and they didn't give it a chance. So there was all this gold waiting for them, but they never got there. And this piece never took off because we didn't get the first seven seconds right. So that's the heartache for me. Oh man. Okay. If I invest the same time, energy, passion. I'm, I went to Missouri, University of Missouri, I was 17 years old. Yeah. I can just see myself now like one suitcase heading down toward Kramer <laughs> Hall. <laughs> and there was a guy on the, like, must've been the third floor leaning out the window. Yeah. And I didn't know if I was in the right place. And I called up and I said, is this Kramer Hall? And he said, yeah, come on in. And that was, 
that was a symbol, that was a story that yeah. I just told in less than 30 seconds yeah. Yeah. of the way I was embraced yeah. by the University of Missouri. Yeah. And it's hugged me ever since in that same way. Yeah. And so I have a feeling, I don't know where this is going, yeah. but that embrace continues. In a minute, I'm gonna give you these boxes of uh, sportique hoodies and and t-shirts, one of which is the first of the big questions t-shirts that we just put Oh, beautiful, out. I got now, one of the first ones. You, you, you know what, they just came yesterday. All right. You're seeing me, I, I got merch now. <laughs> That's a big part of being a digital superstar, Cal. You gotta have the merch. I got merch. You got merch. I, I don't even, it's not for sale. But one step at a time, brother. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going, but I I feel as a start of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, and I look forward to getting together with you down the tracks as much as possible because you brought me back in time and made me realize if I can just take myself back without a sense of. Pride's not the right word, but yeah. like a like a resentment that yeah. oh I gotta go all yeah. the way back. You, you yeah. know, it's like yeah. you're go back to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not forward, go yeah. back yeah, yeah, and have yeah. to yeah. go around the yeah. board. No, I I'm I love the fact that I have to go back yeah. and start this afresh. Yeah. And it will be beautiful getting to know you as we go around the board. Well, I'm excited for you. And and what I would say is number one, trust who you are and what you bring to the world. Because what you, your skill set is very, very valuable and will only get more valuable in the next 20 years. And I believe that with the bottom of my heart. And then be incredibly humble and willing to learn on the digital side. You can learn it. We can all learn it. People of a certain age think they can't do digital. It's all a matter of doing the work and understand the pieces. And sure, you're never going to have the same aesthetic or, or viewpoint as a 16-year-old in Omaha that's using Instagram, but you can understand these platforms and how they operate and how you can bring value to people in a way that no one else is doing. And so just trust who you are. Don't change who you are. Change that change the delivery mechanism and learn everything about the testing and the data and the pieces and all those things that are actually really fascinating. If you combine those two worlds, man, it's going to be a really, really valuable journey for you. Really valuable. Just call me Cutting Edge Cal. <laughs> 2.0, brother. 2.0. Well, thank you. I'm taking your book with me to Germany. I'll have it read by the time the plane lands. And you'll see on my starting posts this book coming out in some form or Beautiful. another. So. Thank you so much for that. I'm yeah. going to, you know, when you think of a book, you think of all the time, experiences, lessons you had to learn in order to put it through the funnel yeah. <laughs> and get it down to how many pages we got uh, here. I don't even know. 200 some, I think. There we go. Let's see. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm not seeing any page numbers. There you go. Oh, they're at the top. Yeah. I'm gonna have. I think I'm we gonna have. It. 
I we flipped it. I think I'm going to have trouble in this digital world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's reversed, Cal. Reverse oh, model, brother. man. Okay. Well, I'll have the 207 pages read yeah. Yeah. by the time I land in Berlin and the journey begins. Well, I wish you luck on your journey, brother. And, and I think be patient because it does take time and you're going to learn a lot. But also, man, you're so far ahead of anybody else with all the experience you have. And, and I think it's, it's going to be magic, man. I think once you figure out how to take what you do and apply it to this world, the, the, the growth will be, it'll blow your mind, actually. You're going to have fun doing it. Well, this book is my official Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm proud to be the guy uh, giving you the wax on, wax off. <laughs> And uh, I, I hope it helps in some small way. All right. You want to do the Missouri fight song? You want to close with the Missouri oh, fight man. song? Oh, just... It's been too long. I know you have to leave the How way. about if we hum it? All right. We don't have to sing the words. <laughs> Remember? Uh, you can leave me out. Okay. There we go, Mizzou. There we go. M-I-Z, brother. M-I-Z. Thank you very much. I think they'll be listening at Mizzou this week. Yeah, we may have to make an appearance there at some point, the two of us. Go back and set that place on fire. I'm with you, brother. Columbia, here we come. All right. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That about wraps it up. I want to thank Tim Ferriss because I never could thank him enough for nudging me to start this podcast. Also want to thank WeWork, which is spreading all over the world. That's why I have a global access pass, so I can feel at home wherever I roam. If you need office space, whether it's a telephone booth, table, glass-enclosed office, conference room, theater space, check out WeWork. And if you go to www.we.com, dot co slash cal you'll get a 20 percent discount also want to thank my friends at sportique for creating that first batch of big questions t-shirts and if you want to make a custom batch of t-shirts for a company event let me know i'll get you straight to my pals matt and jason for the softest hoodies t-shirts and sweatpants go to sportique.com s-p-o-r-t-i-q-e.com and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. Want to thank Hassan Rumier for stepping up with assistance this week. Much gratitude to Philip Lanos for always having my back. And thanks to L. Chen and Chelsea O'Brien for the development work. We're headed to the cutting edge. And thanks, Tim Staples, for showing me the way. Cheers. Cheers.